The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. It does show the sort of strain that the market is under this winter. It's very rare to hear the chief economist of the Bank of England being so frank about Brexit. I think that what's more problematic for policy in the UK is following these basics so that people make decisions on the basis of uh, the full picture. Stephen, I would like to have a small rant. Oh, just a small one. That's a relief. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And I'm Caroline Hepker. Welcome to the programme. Well, coming up on the show today, it is Prime Minister's Questions Day, or should I say uh, Deputies at the Dispatch Box Day. Uh, I'm rather looking forward to it. Dominic Raab will be facing Angela Rayner. Uh, we'll bring you that as soon as the Labour Deputy Leader stands up for her first question. Yeah, of course, this is because the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer are attending the funeral of the former Speaker of the House of Commons, that is Betty Boothroyd, of course, Baroness Boothroyd. She was the first female Speaker in the House in 700 years. So no surprise uh, that so many uh, people will be attending that former Labour MP. She was Madam Speaker from 1992 to 2000. She was first in the era of television, of televised uh, debate. So she certainly imprinted on my memory. Yeah, I think those of us who were following politics in the 90s, it, uh, I, it was very, I was very saddened by this news. She's one of yes. those people that I've never met, but very kind of real to me. Um, uh, and she was, uh, she was just incredible at her job. Really, she was, she was tremendously fun and funny, a huge sense of humour. And you absolutely got that from the comments that she would make in the House of Commons. She was unique. She had a big personality, loads of stagecraft, loads of animation. Uh, she was fabulous to watch I think on TV yes and I think she managed to combine um, being very stern with misbehaving Mm. MPs which (laughs) you know let's be honest is absolutely essential but we're doing it with you know with really good humor yes um so a really a really first class speaker and just and so uh, entertaining if one can use that word yes and also I think you know significant in a way perhaps um in the way that Thatcher perhaps did not succeed in uh, people thinking about her as having elevated women. Uh, you know, that was one of the criticisms often around Margaret Thatcher. And that did not seem to be ever uh, something that Betty Boothroyd could have been accused of. She was a former Labour MP uh, from Yorkshire, of course, or very originally. And did you know that her first job in Parliament was actually from another Labour titan, and that was Barbara Castle, who uh-huh. gave her her first job. Yes, goodness, I didn't know that, actually. Mm. Yeah, and incredibly uh, incredibly popular, really, right across the House, actually. Yes. Nobody thought of her as a Labour speaker. She was very much a speaker who was fair and even-handed mm. to both sides uh, of the House. Yeah, absolutely. So very sad news, I think, today. Uh, but also, just ahead of um, Prime Minister's questions, yes, with the deputies uh, at the dip- dispatch box, Scotland has a new First Minister, Ian. Yeah, a day after the results of the SNP leadership race, Hamza Youssef has been confirmed as Scotland's new First Minister uh, after a vote in the Scottish Parliament. He is the youngest First Minister, 37 years old. Yes, amazing. Uh, and also the first Muslim to lead a major UK political party. Uh, Kate Forbes is not going to be in the top team. Uh, Angela Rayner has just uh, stood up. We're listening. 
And can I share the Deputy Prime Minister's words on our Baroness and our thoughts with her family today? And I'm sure the whole House will join me also in paying tribute to Paul O'Grady after his sad death was announced today. He was a national treasure and a true Northern star, and he will be greatly missed. Madam Deputy Speaker, this week the Government announced their so-called anti-social behaviour policy. It's only taken 13 years. And look, I'll give him some credit. The Deputy Prime Minister knows firsthand the misery caused by thugs and their intimidating behaviour, lurking with menace, exploding in fits of rage, creating a culture of fear and maybe even, I don't know, throwing things. So can I ask him, under his new anti-social behaviour, does he think more bullies will be brought to justice? Madam Deputy Speaker, I can reassure the House I have never called anyone scum. Honourable Lady is serious about standing up for communities and people who suffer at the scourge of antisocial behaviour should back our plan to deal more swiftly uh, with these issues, to make sure that we ban drugs beyond the conventional ones, give police the powers they need, and if they really, if they really want to protect the public, they'll back our plans for parole reform to make sure the murderers, the terrorists, the child killers are not allowed out free to, to threaten other people and reintroduce the ministerial veto that that side took away. Madam Deputy Speaker, I'd like to see the ministerial code being introduced under day two on that side of the House, because it's not just his department where antisocial behaviour is running out of control, it's happening across the country. Police officers disappearing from our streets, replaced by criminals, plaguing our towns and leaving people feeling unsafe. The truth is that the Conservatives are missing in action in the fight against crime. So can he tell his constituents and the public why, after 13 years of his party in government, there are now 6,000 fewer neighbourhood police officers on Britain's streets? Madam Deputy Speaker, she really does have a brass neck because they voted against our funding of police recruitment and the 20,000 extra police officers. But what I will tell her and the whole House is crime is lower than it was under the last Labour government. Violent crime is halved. Reoffending is seven percentage points lower. And if she really wants to stand up for the public and the victims of crime, they should back our bill to protect victims and protect the most vulnerable from serious, killer, serious killers, rapists and terrorists. Mr Speaker, no one believes that there's more police on the streets and no one feels safer. Neighbourhood policing has gone down and not up. Let's talk about crime. He knows, as well as I do, that neighbourhood police can help prevent antisocial behaviour and knife crime. But trusted local police are also crucial to protecting women. Women feel unsafe on Britain's streets, always looking over our shoulder as we hurry to our front door. So can he tell me, under his watch as Justice Secretary, what is the charge rate for rape, 
Can I address all of those elements of that? And first of all, say that the issue of rape and serious sexual violence against women is one of our top priorities. She She asked what we're doing about it. Since 2019, police referrals of cases are doubled. CPS charges have doubled. She asked, she asked on my watch what has happened. The volume of convictions in rape cases increased by two-thirds. And if she really wants to protect vulnerable women, whether it's rapists uh, or from rapists or other serious crimes, they will back our parole reforms, which will mean ministers able to prevent uh, them being released onto the public and cause more threats. He says that rape conviction has gone up. What he really means is that 300 women will be raped today while he boasts about an increase of 0.5%. He hasn't answered my question, Madam Deputy Speaker, because he's too ashamed of the answer. 1.6% of rapists face being charged for their crime. 1.6%. Let that sink in. A woman goes through the worst experience of her life. She summons up the courage to relive that horrendous experience, to tell the police in detail about her assault. But she only has a 1.6% chance of action being taken. Over 98% of rapists will never see the inside of a courtroom, let alone a prison. And the rest of those brave women, Madam Deputy Speaker, They keep looking over their shoulders and hope the perpetrator doesn't choose tonight to take their revenge for reporting the incident to the police. In the last 13 years of the Tory government, more than half a million cases of rape have been recorded by the police. But the charge rate for those attacks have collapsed. He has served under five Tory Prime Ministers and had three years as Justice Minister. And on his watch, rapists are left to roam the streets. So will he apologise to those victims who will never get justice because of his failures? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, say to the right honourable lady, the conviction rate measured by the CPS, the leader of the Labour Party used to be in charge of the CPS, he might want to point this out. Well, actually, the, the, the conviction rate has gone up. It is now at 69%. We are doing much more to support the victims of rape when they come forward. Well, they're talking a good game. In fact, we have quadrupled funding for victims since 2010. And if she looks at the latest data, the time it's taken from charge to completion of a rape case has come down by, come, come down by 10 weeks or 70% in the last three months alone. She should get her facts straight, particularly when talking about such a sensitive issue. Madam Deputy Speaker, he won't apologise for the government's failures on charge rates and 69% of 1.6%. Is that really something to boast about? Let me ask him about an issue which is directly his responsibility. On his watch, rape survivors are waiting on average more than three years for their cases to come to court. The Honourable Member talked about 10-week reduction. Three years, Deputy. Uh, Deputy Leader, three years, the ten weeks is not anything to boast about. Those three years from the day of the assault to the final day of court, is it any wonder that from April till September last year, 175 trials for rape and other serious sexual offences have had to be dropped because the victim could no longer cope with the delay? So let me ask him, 
When will he apologise to all those women denied justice because of his failure to keep to sort the court backlog? Well, she ignores the impact on the court backlog of the pandemic or indeed the CBA strike. But let me tell her what we're doing. Let me tell her what we're doing. We've quadrupled funding for victims since 2010, quadrupled the funding provided by the last Labour government. We launched the 24-7 support line so that when those victims of that appalling crime come forward, they get the support they need. We've increased the number of independent sexual violence advisers uh, to over 1,000, and we're making sure that women uh, that suffer this appalling crime can give pre-recorded evidence in court. We're doing everything that we can, and as I said, uh, the, the rates are coming down. Uh, and we will keep uh, uh, taking action in this area. Is she really, if the Labour Party were really serious about this, they wouldn't have voted against longer sentences for dangerous, violent and sexual offenders in the Police Crime Sentencing and Courts Act, and she would get behind our Victims and Prisoner Bill today? Madam Deputy Speaker, not a word of apology, no sense of responsibility and not even a shred of shame. The reality is, while people in Britain feel more and more unsafe, he seems to spend all of his time trying to save his own job and none of his time on his actual job. And it's not just me that thinks so. The Prime Minister clearly doesn't trust him to deal with antisocial behaviour because he's given that job to the levelling up secretary. <laughs> the way things are going and reports are to be believed, this might be your last PMQs. So let's look at the highlights. A criminal justice on its knees. The largest court backlog on record. Rape victims waiting for justice. And through it all, he managed to rack up 24 formal complaints from his own civil servants. So can he say today, will he walk before he's pushed? Madam Deputy Speaker, one thing never changes. She always comes with the usual bluster and political opportunism. Let me... Let me tell the right honourable lady what we've been doing, what I've been doing this week. We've delivered new legislation to support the victims of crime, including rape, and to protect the public. We've delivered a plan to stamp out antisocial behaviour, and we've supported families with their energy bills. What's she done? What have the Labour front bench done? They tried to block our small boats bill, and that's the difference between them and us. We deliver for Britain. She likes to play her political games. Deputy Speaker, and it is wonderful to see you in your place. As my right honourable friend will be aware, uh, the Thames Freeport was recently given the final go-ahead to become fully operational, creating thousands of jobs and attracting millions in inward investment. Will my right honourable friend join me in congratulating the team behind the bid and encourage businesses and investors from across the South East, indeed across the world, to take a closer look at the fantastic opportunities that exist in Thurrock and will he work with local education providers to ensure my constituents have the skills needed to take up these fantastic opportunities? Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I thank my honourable friend? Uh, I certainly do 
uh, support and pay tribute to all of those who have made the new Thames Freeport uh, possible with its uh, potential to deliver over 12,000 new jobs. Uh, I look forward to seeing the local community and the wider communities benefit from the tax benefits, the custom zones, and we'll see how these plans progress. Uh, and again, uh, I think it's good news to see the communities in Basildon and Thurrock taking full advantage of the Brexit opportunities. The Deputy Leader of the SNP, Murray Black. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker. And I also wish to send my warm regards to the family of Paula Grady, the legendary drag queen, for all he's done for my community. I also want to congratulate Hamza Youssef as he becomes yeah. first minister of Scotland. As the, as the first Scots Asian and Muslim to hold such an office, I'm sure the whole house will send his warm regards. Now, in recent days, video footage has emerged of the former Chancellor and the former Chair of the 1922 Committee offering their services for £60,000 on top of their MP's salary. The former Health Secretary offered his wisdom for £10,000 a day. Can I ask the Deputy Prime Minister, when he is inevitably booted out of office, what will his going rate be? Can I... Can I welcome her to uh, uh, the, the chamber? Uh, the, system of, the system of declarations is there to ensure transparency and accountability. And of course, the Conservatives backed tightening up those rules uh, to make sure that there couldn't be any lobbying. Uh, but can I also join with, accept uh, uh, to take her up on her uh, tribute to the, first, uh, the new First Minister of Scotland. The Prime Minister spoke to him last night. Uh, we welcome him to his place and, of course, the Government will want to work constructively with him in the best interest of the people of Scotland. Mary Black. During a cost of living crisis, as his colleagues eye up barrels of cash from fake companies, yep. <laughs> it's the people across these aisles that are being led by donkeys and yeah. they're sitting on now, the former Health Secretary also said that he would impart his wisdom for £1,500 an hour. Most nurses earn little above £15 an hour. Who does the Deputy Prime Minister think is best value for money and for the public? Well, I'm, I'm delighted that the majority of the health unions have accepted uh, the pay settlement. We, we, we think that that's absolutely, uh, we think that that's absolutely right. And she, she raises the issue. Uh, and of course, we've uh, we've uh, worked with on a cross-party basis to curb the limits on second earnings. Uh, I, I notice the benches on this side uh, are, are curiously quiet. Is that because? There's 10 shadow cabinet members on their benches uh, who are taking earnings. Ewan, I thought that was really open season, frankly, on the Deputy Prime Minister, Dominic Raab. He faced incredibly tough questions from Angela Rayner, but also from the uh, SNP Deputy Leader, Mari Black. Um, incredibly angry, I think, is what I came away with uh, from that PMQs. Will more bullies be brought to justice was the question that Rayner mm. asked her first uh, question. him. Her first question out of the gate. And his response was citing um, something that had been quoted on Angela Rayner's part. He said to her very angrily, you know, I've never called anybody scum, which um, was a quote uh, attributed to her that she then defended. This was extremely, extremely testy. 
Yeah, really powerful stuff, wasn't it? Uh, Rayner saying that there have been 24 uh, formal complaints against uh, the Deputy Prime Minister. Of course, two are being investigated by uh, the, the PM's appointee, Adam Tolley. Mm. Uh, Adam Tolley, KC, is looking into these things. He's been looking into it since uh, since November. Uh, of course, Rob denies ever having uh, bullied anybody. But you can see he looked pretty rattled, didn't he? He looked pretty angry in well, this exchange. Well, that final question that Angela Rayner asked him, this must be your last PMQs. I mean, ouch. Will you walk before you are pushed? Will he walk before he is pushed? Um, You know, Dominic Raab responded, this is the usual bluster and political opportunism. But, you know, uh, does the opposition sort of sense um, that there is a deeper problem? This has been the question mark hanging over the Deputy uh, Prime Minister Dominic Raab for some time. But again, another PMQs centering on the issues of crime. Yeah, it was really gloves off stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, and as you say, we, they, they took, sent all their questions on crime last time, and again, uh, all all on the issue of crime this time. And I thought some really strong, really powerful stuff from Angela Rayner uh, on the lack of uh, rape convictions. She says only one point six percent of rapes are charged. Yes, Rob countering that the actual conviction rate of that very small number has gone up. But I thought, yeah, Angela Rayner. Uh, was 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 very strong on this. I thought. Well, again, it's it is a topic um, that many people think is quite close to her heart. She uh, she's been a shadow minister dealing with equalities and women's issues. She was also worked uh, in the care professions for a short period of time before becoming a politician. So this is a kind of area that is very much on her turf. I think I would say the response. Uh, that Raab was giving is that this is the top priority for government. Although, again, I did think that Rayner's point around nobody in the UK, nobody walking the streets in the UK can feel that there are more police officers on the beat, which was sort of Raab's defence. He was saying that there is more money being put into policing courts and crime. But, yeah, I thought it was a harsh back and forth. Yeah, it's interesting when we have these exchanges between the deputies, I often think they are... Uh, more uh, as a spectator, they're, they're more exciting than the the, the everyday the every the, the general exchanges because I, I sort of feel that you know they put their heart and soul into it because they've had more time to pre- prepare. They don't do it very often, and they really want to make an impression. I, I, I sort of remember this from going back, you know, over over the years that they're often very very watchable. Yes, watchable, but I think it's also perhaps a window perhaps into what the actual parliamentary um, parties are really like in terms of the combative nature of it. The difference of opinion is far more sharply drawn by the deputies than I think it is by the more polished leaders. Yeah, and they're able to say what they feel. I mean, you know, uh, Rayner is not known for sort of beating around the bush, is she? Uh, and I think uh, Rob can probably be quite outspoken as well. If you know, <laughs> but Yeah, absolutely. But on that point, I do think worth mentioning uh, Mari Black you know talking about barrels of cash from fake companies you know this issue that emerged um, uh, in a sort of sting operation you know all above board according to parliamentary rules but it has caught a lot of attention that uh, some uh, conservatives were found to be willing to accept money for consulting work in a way that others have have frowned upon. Yeah that sting operation yeah I thought some really strong questions Mm. from Mari Black 28 year old Mari yes. Black, uh, not the baby of the house, but she was the baby of the house when she was elected in 2015. Same time as Angela Rayner came into Parliament. Aha, uh-huh. uh, yes, at the age of 20. Mari Gosh. Black was 20 when she got elected. Yeah. 
Uh, she's no longer the baby of the house, but yeah, she is, is pretty young and mm. she is also the deputy leader of the SNP at Westminster. I, I think that's very interesting. Also, though, there are a few other things to think about. Um, remember that tomorrow we're going to get apparently these green ish- initiatives from the government. Um, this idea about trying to move the UK forward. So there is actually quite a bit of policy going on, which is worth sort of noting and underlining. And what we thought was a government that might be at the end of the road, um, the government tomorrow is meant to be um, a working, outlining and, and talking about taxing imports of some products that may uh, be using highly polluting processes. So we're expecting to hear more from this on the Energy Secretary Grant Shapps tomorrow. comes out on a day when we have been reporting about the Climate Change Committee's semi-annual report, which is utterly damning about Britain's progress when it comes to addressing climate change and the fact that the UK is strikingly unprepared, in their words, for the changing climate. Yeah, of course, the UK, I think the first country in the world to pass mandatory uh, climate change targets to hit a certain point by 2050. But uh, having passed that, being the first to do that, it doesn't seem like the government has done a great deal to say how we're going to get there because it's going to be very, very difficult. And as you say, that very damning report from the Climate Change Committee saying that basically we're not really making a plan to get there at all at the moment. No. Remember 40 degrees Celsius in August last year? I do. Absolutely mm. sweltering in London. Totally ghastly. Um, so there apparently is perhaps going to be more word on how to retrofit and upgrade your home to deal with that. You know, A couple of government policies on that subject have failed in the past. Yeah, another interesting thing out today, the UK's biggest pharmaceutical lobby say that the government has failed to improve the UK's reputation as a poor place to invest. And it says to become a science superpower, we're going to have to attract a lot more money. And it says that the government is really not doing that at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that is uh, it for us for today. Of course, Prime Minister's questions. Yes, I think that will be um, remembered as a, a pretty robust, perhaps even bloody exchange between the deputy leaders uh, and looking ahead to tomorrow then uh, to that Green Day. But also uh, the Liberal Democrats, a word on them? Yes, the election launch has just happened. It is uh, just five weeks now until local election day, which we are all looking forward to. Uh, the Dems are calling for more uh, GPs. That's their big uh, headline from their election laws. I'm hoping to make some inroads in some of those uh, blue wall seats. So we're talking more about that uh, over the coming weeks. 4th of May, can you believe it? Well, that's it uh, from us for today. If you do like the programme, don't forget to subscribe. Give it five stars so that other people can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. This episode was produced by James Walcock and our audio engineer was Mariful Hussain. I'm Ewan Potts. And I'm Caroline Hepke. We'll be back with much more tomorrow. This is Bloomberg UK Politics. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.